welcome to episode 201 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of specific topics every week. My name is Mike Solosi, and I'm here with the same three panelists as two weeks ago when we recorded part one of Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel, uh, the Retro Encounter game journal for the month of August and end of July. We, we had to sort of, you know, space it out a little bit because of circumstances, but Anyway, we're, we're back to talk about Trails of Cold Steel some more, and joining me is Alana Hayes. Hey, everyone. Caitlin Argyros. Hello, people. And Zach Wilkerson. Hello. So, we uh, left off at Chapter 3, when there was a terrorist attack in the Nord Highlands. And uh, uh, one thing that Trails of Cold Steel does that I think uh, Trails in the Sky did less dramatically, maybe, is really raises the stakes of the larger plot with every chapter. Mm-hmm. You, you see the conflict, the endgame conflict, take shape more every chapter, and things mm-hmm. get more serious every chapter. So uh, we go from a terrorist attack in a an edge base in chapter 3 to a kidnapping of the royal family in the royal capital in chapter 4. <laughs> Um, but I, we are going to go through the story chapter by chapter, sort of like we did in the previous episode. But first, I want to talk about some things that we uh, didn't neglect necessarily, but, but didn't just have time to go over in part one of the podcast two weeks ago. Uh, starting with uh, a, a handful of characters, uh, perhaps ironically, I think we, were, we mentioned this before we started recording, the member of Class 7 we talked about the least in part one was Reen, the main character. Yeah, Reen Schwarzer is the main character of Trails of Cold Steel. We did mention that he is uh, was an orphan that was taken in uh, by the Schwarzer family, a family of nobles. And so he sort of toes the line between noble and commoner in a very unique way in a country where the noble-commoner divide is very strong. But we didn't really talk about uh, his you know, behavior and sort of scene-to-scene action uh, in the previous episode. So what do we think of Reen? Um, I-, I-, I like his stylish sword play, and... <laughs> Uh, he, it leaves one blade. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I like his wavy hair. His hair looks pretty good for uh, for a game with you know with, 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 for a game of, of many different varieties of locks. But uh... I think Reen is a really solid main character, especially for a, especially like for the PS3 version. He has less dialogue and less voice dialogue as well. And I think adding the extra dialogue between the that and the PC versions. I think flushes him out a lot more. So not only is he quite, he's quite a, he's quite a basic, not basic character, but like he's a pretty, he's a pretty standard Jap, like yeah. protagonist, I would he's say. But very he's very calm, very reasonable, very nice. Yeah. yeah, he's almost very perfect. But I think that yeah. there is enough there for me to like him. I found myself really enjoying playing or being Reem in Cold Steel because he has all of these inner conflicts going on, and he's very. He's very self-critical. I can relate to mm. that at least. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's always worried about doing the wrong thing, but he's a genuine, a genuinely nice person who, uh, like I think we mentioned in the previous episode, he's kind of like the glue that holds the team together because of his, uh, he always wants to be a sort of a mediator and a negotiator. Right. Yeah. And he takes that role on really well because he is probably other than Laura, the most level-headed character in that group. Um, everybody else has got some kind of exaggerated quirk or trope. Um, him, Lo- him, is- him, Laura, and Gaius, I think, are the... Are, are, Gaius, are, are yeah. The Gaius yeah. Those three are the true neutrals. At, at yeah. least two of them actually have a personality, though. Gaius. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Gaius. Poor Gaius. 
Sometimes I wish you could play as Gaius' parents instead of Gaius. <laughs> uh, Gaius' dad is, like, I wouldn't mind playing as Gaius' dad. And uh, in, in the other room, I'll be hanging out with Gaius' mom. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I basically agree. Reen is a little bit like a Persona protagonist in that he's a little bit, you know... Uh, uh, I'm not going to use a, uh, a, a a word that rhymes with Fortinescu, but uh, he he's sort of good, he's he's sort of good at everything and uh, and gets a positive res- a response from every other good person. In, uh, but yeah. in, in, but in, but I agree. He's he's a likable main character that does a good job, and um, uh, he yeah he turns out he's hiding superpowers that he's afraid of. Yeah, right. yeah. Overpowers, Ogre. which is a strange name for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like it's they probably call it oni in Japanese. It is oni in yeah, Japanese, yeah. and and oni translating to ogre. I think ogre has a different meaning in English than oni has in Japanese. Like oni can also mean it is like a kind of a folkloric monster, but it also has like a specific a specific kind of demon context. Yeah, I'm more used to it as demon. I'm thinking mm-hmm. things like Muramasa, where it is like these giant oversized red demons or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's more what I'm used to. But and yeah, Ogre Power seems really strange. But I, I get, I knew it was only as well. So. And, and there's, they'll do things like they'll, uh, a character that's supposed to be wild and violent will have Oni in their name in, in like, you know, a, a manga about school delinquents or something. That, that happens remarkably <laughs> often. But oh. the, uh, but so, so, like his ogre powers, which I think is not a little dissimilar to a Devil May Cry Devil Trigger, uh, <laughs> is uh, there's something that comes as a surprise. I think you, you do see him flashing back to his childhood, well before they introduce the ogre powers, but yeah. uh, but you don't really get the context of him turning into a monster briefly in that scene. You you get it when he duels Laura's dad in one of the most ballsiest. Uh, you know, surprise pieces of dialogue mm. and the whole thing. Like, I oh, love that bit. Yeah, like, they're, they're eating dinner in chapter five. Uh, you meet Laura's dad. He's a handsome, nice, noble dude. And suddenly Rena's like, you're one of the most powerful swordsmen in the world. Please duel me. Plus <laughs> <laughs> respect, doesn't it? Because they're from very well-known schools across Erebonia. Um, yes. So, yeah. I also think it's really cool that, um, uh, what's his name? The Bracer. Uh, what's so, Cash, um, Cassius Bright? As, yes, thank you. Um, yeah, so, he, yeah, that Cassius Bright is trained under um, the leader of the Eight Leaves One Blade school. I think yes, that's a really um, cool eight, thing. Eight Leaves One Blade is not from Erebonia. It's from the it's from the quote unquote Far East, which might Correct. be which which is probably beyond Calvard. Uh, but they, but but he did. Um, he was a practitioner of the Eight Leaves One Blade school, but then mysteriously hung up his sword and started fighting with a staff for the rest of his, uh, for the rest of his <laughs> career. For reasons that are are not a hundred percent clear yet, maybe they maybe they're more clear in one of the games I haven't played. Like they're they're it's because of stuff that happens before Trails in the Sky. That, that, that's what I figured. Yeah, it, it's because of what happened to uh, his wife. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Oh. Right. He couldn't he couldn't protect her using the sword, so he switched to a more defensive staff and mm-hmm. and, and joined it, the bracers and whatnot. And insisted that his daughter learn the staff and not the sword. So, yeah, uh, which yeah, is hey, cool. cool. She is a she is awesome. With no, no, staff. yeah, Stell's great. And uh, um, the thing is, I, I want to get into this a little bit later, but uh, I, I do want to make some comparisons between Cold Steel and Sky uh, on a less plot specific and more general level. But uh, let's go back to back to Reen. He has these hidden demon powers inside of him, but the, the uh, but and I think challenging Laura's father 
he he figured that he was one of the few people in the world that definitely won't die if he goes if he if he goes right. all out on them. So he, mm-hmm. he so he used this opportunity to to see if he could do something about his powers, and he gets a pretty positive response from everyone. It's like, oh, so so that's why Laura had this feeling of him holding back all the way back in chapter one. And, uh, <laughs> Apart from Emma, who seems to know more than she's letting on, like right. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Emma finally gets some character development in chapters six and seven. It, yeah. it, it took and five enough. a little bit, although it was, there was no character development in five. She's just kind of like, oh yeah, I have a sixth sense for this kind of thing. Like, yeah. no, you don't. Like, it's like, how, how do the people not realize it before now? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's a little bit dense not to recognize that no, it's, it's, she is obviously has something weird going on. She, I mean, we've known it as early as chapter two when she used right. spells to heal Reen and uh, unlock a door. Yeah. And, um, and and Reen being the most oblivious human in this entire game, uh, <laughs> or, or possibly half human, half ogre in this entire game, is uh, like it says, "Oh, thanks again for those herbs that you gave me all the way back in uh, in Breahard. And, and uh, Emma's like, "Herbs, yeah, of course, herbs." Uh, like, 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 My grandma's special recipe. Yeah, like she. It, I mean, she's bad at awkwardly explaining her powers, but luckily Reen is worse at noticing her powers. So it's uh, yeah. so it, it it works out that way. But uh, Emma is definitely from some kind of family of magic users or witches or something. One of my favorite Emma lines was when they ask her if she's uh, if she's with the church. She goes, actually, no, kind of the opposite. So, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah you it, don't you don't really find out exactly what's going on with her until like the beginning of part two. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, I mean, I'm at the. I, I should uh, go full disclosure right now. I am playing the end game of Trails of Cold Steel Part One right now. Um, I am in the endgame cutscenes. I have fought the final boss. It uh, it it was not a great final boss. We'll um we'll, we'll we will get to that. But I, uh, <laughs> I I I'm really to the wire here. Uh, if you if you follow me on social media and you see me tweeting that I beat the game, understand that the podcast recorded an hour or two before then. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, can I one more thing about Rain? Oh, please. Maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring it up because I don't think it's actually addressed in the first game, and I. I'd like to think it'll be addressed. I think it's tied to his ogre powers or not, but when the when your class goes swimming, um, all the everybody notices that Reen has a scar on his chest, and that's I don't right, think yeah. that's ever explained in um, part one. Am I? Yeah, um, I, I, no. I mean, he holds that part of his body when yeah, um, it's going to turn or whatever. But I, it, I, I will tell you that it hasn't been explained yet. It's it's, it's it's not explained in the first two games. It's it comes up yeah. later. Yeah, it's right. his, I mean it's his Harry Potter scar, and when he and when, yeah. and, when, and when powers similar to his flare up, or he feels his power coming from within, the scar pains him. And uh, they they do mention it. I forget exactly when they when the pool scene happens. It's maybe between chap uh, between it's chapters. Very, it's chapter, chapter four. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so like right, so um, after Nord, but before the before they all ship off to Heimdall in chapter four. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, so I definitely had not gotten there uh, when we recorded a few weeks ago, but uh, let's move on to the characters. Uh, the, the, in chapter three, they meet Milliam, a girl with a uh, mysterious robot friend, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, is, is that a, yeah. is that a good way to describe Lammy? A floating robot friend that kind of reminds me of the of the robot guardians in uh, Castle in the Sky. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 Totally right about that. Yeah. yeah. That's a different blank in the sky for you that this, <laughs> that this game might be connected to. But yeah, um, she's younger than the rest of the students. I think she's only thirteen. Yeah. And she's a uh, she's with the intelligence division of the uh, of the Arabonian government, which is a little insane. But you. Uh, yeah, she's- you 
She's more, yeah. Yeah, she's Iron Blood. Yeah, she's Iron Blood. Yeah, she's an Iron Blood, which is the uh, which is the Chancellor's like special spec ops group. That's uh, <laughs> that that's like her and the the guy with bright red pomegranate hair. Yeah, I think maybe also Claire. Or yes, yes, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who we did talk about in the previous episode a little bit. So yeah, she's like in, not just with the intelligence division, she's with an elite group within the intelligence division. Right. Yeah, she's the sort of character who would usually annoy me in an RPG, but somehow her, um, this like over-the-top energy all the time, I actually thought was really amusing, especially the way Eusis reacts to her all the time. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like my favorite thing. Yeah, He's like, oh I my gosh, it. go away. <laughs> always, always pair them up in, in a party. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I didn't use her once. <laughs> I, used, I used her. She's really, she's really strong, though. She's, she's yeah, really she is. She's the second strongest thing. character in the game after Laura. Yeah. Mm. Correct. Yeah, I don't. It's an arts user too. If you want to give her some some good arts. Yeah, I I like her interactions with Usus, but I will admit she is mu- too much for me. Like I really, <laughs> I really I... didn't like her. I think like again, Usus's reactions to her were kept what kept me going, and she wasn't too bad. Like I could definitely pick out some more kid characters that I find annoying, but I'm uh, yeah. interested because she's one of these characters who's like, oh yeah, I did this and this and oh, the Chancellor did this and oh, I'm just going to call him now and oh no, I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> you're just plot dumps everywhere and I'm like, okay, you can stay, yeah. but slow down a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I've made it very clear on uh, other episodes that I do not like child characters in RPGs unless unless like, it's one thing if every single character is a kid, like in like in Earthbound, those, those are for children but they're but they i don't think of any of them as child characters because the whole team is children but i really get annoyed at kid characters when all of the other protagonists are older very very often and falcom puts one in almost every rpg that they make (laughs) which is a little troubling and milliam is uh better than average for an rpg kid i think and and it's and she has the an annoying energy but also the other the the rest of the cast reacts to her very amusingly especially uses yeah but yeah, I want to see where she goes because she's not. She's under. She kind of. She, she is so under. At the moment, yeah, and yeah. it's it's de- it's deliberate because I don't think we know a lot about the Iron Bloods really overall. Anyway, like like to Arundel's only turned up like twice, and each time I've kind of side eyed him. And and but what I do really like about Milliam is that the Iron Bloods like adore her. Like Arundel has clearly done a lot for her, and Claire yeah. treats her like her little sister, sister. and I think yeah. that's a really cute dynamic to have. So like. The I'm Bloods, I'm suspicious and uncomfortable around, but I'm not as uncomfortable as, say, some other people or other groups of people in this series. So we'll <laughs> see. We'll see where they go with that. We'll see where they take Milliam. Uh, yeah, Milliam. I think that her background and her powers and Lammy are underexplained. Um, it, yeah. it's, it's connected to stuff that happens at the very end of Trails of Cold Steel, but. You could tell that, that this is uh, um, she'll factor in later, and there's much more to learn about her. But still, she's a kid character, so I was disinclined to like her. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, probably not a spoiler, um, but uh, Altina Orion is her si- sister oh, in yeah, Cold uh, Steel Three. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, she's she, also she, got she, another yeah, robot friend. Yeah, she has similar she, similar powers and uh, same last name. Like I recognized the name when a million showed up because I did look at the main cast for uh, for Trails of Cold Steel three a little bit because we, we um, uh, Alana you and I uh, covered it a little bit at a three yeah. and, and attended mm-hmm. the meeting and attended the meeting for it, but uh, yeah like I, I don't, that she has a sister I don't think that's that, that's not a big spoiler no. but I'm, I'm sure I mean, I, but no. there are, there are probably three games worth well, of spoilers for a million. Uh, 
It's not. I mean, Altino <laughs> shows up in Cold Steel too, and she's a fairly significant character. But yeah, it's Aww. not. Yeah. Milliam joins the team uh, in full uh, between Chapter 4 and 5, and she jo- joins at the same time as another character, Crow Armbreast. Mm-hmm. Who's, uh, oh, Crow. Yeah, Crow is a group of is part of a group of second years that you meet in chapter one or maybe even the prologue. Um, there, there's Crow. There's the school, uh, the, the student council president Toa. Their friend Angelica, who's a rebellious uh, girl from a noble family, and then their friend George, who's a talented engineer and inventor. And those four are sort of the like the friendly senpai that you that uh, you hang out and do tasks with for uh, uh, basically throughout the whole game. Like starting again, starting in chapter one. But they uh, all four of them come into their own in a much bigger way in uh, the second half of the game. Uh, and Crow, he's a bit of a delinquent student. He's uh, he's he's laid back to a fault, and he's he's talented. And like when he works hard, he's clearly good at school and and he even like plans he planned two entire concerts <laughs> over the course of this game um but uh he but because of his truancy and missing classes he has to repeat parts of first year and so they have him join class seven because he also because him and his three friends also uh tested the um right the same marcus technology that the current class seven is testing so he would be an ideal uh, like new addition to the class for that, and um, uh, he and him and Milliam join the group at the same time, just before Chapter Five. And Milliam is on Reen's Reen's team in Chapter Five, and Crow is on Reen's team in Chapter Six. So those are your two opportunities uh, to use them before the end game. And uh, well, we're gonna talk. I mean, there's a lot to talk about uh, Crow in the last couple chapters, but um, ignoring those things for now, what, what do we think about that crew? Crow, Toa, Angelica, George. Um, I, I, I really like them, and perhaps to the surprise of zero people here, Angelica is just one of my oh, favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, her, I, her and Sarah are the two best characters in the game. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't, they're both in my top five. I mean, you, you, yeah. you and I uh, absolutely uh, agreed on, on, uh, on, on our enjoyment of Sarah and talking about, yeah. talking about her in the first episode. But, yeah. but um, the more you learn about Angelica, how she is the daughter of one of the four ruling noble uh noble families in the in the country but she also ran away from home and worked as a miner for six months yeah. and, then, and, then, and then traveled the world with a martial arts master and learned from her for six months <laughs> and uh and is uh loves teenage girls and is uh, and is and, <laughs> thir- and thirsts for them so aggressively yeah that, that, that that's it's, my issue with that's her. my it's, yeah it's, I, uh, yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with her because I love her as a person. She's really cool and strong and confident in herself and does the right thing. But maybe, especially after going through the Sky Games, I'm really kind of tired of like the the only like overtly gay character or bi characters in in Oliver's case also being like these really aggressive, shameless flirts. Like that that whole yeah. trope is a little bit disappointing. Like it's great that they are definitely by lesbian you know that's cool i like that they don't make it ambiguous i think but I think, they play uh, the trope of the aggressive yeah. gay character that's you know kind yeah. of a little bit disappointing i mean it's certainly i think it smells of tokenism a little bit too um yeah. sort of tossing one thing yeah. there but it, i, yeah, I mean it, 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 it sort of taking her on her own outside of that i still thought that she was an amusing character in that and i you know I, oh yeah definitely I, I appreciated the representation it's better than a lot of jrpgs do but yeah i agree mm-hmm. with you yeah it's a it's a little bit uh hmm, this is my this is probably the wrong term but it's a, a little this is a horny video game 
Oh, for sure. It 100% is. Um, And the way Reen even talks about or thinks about NPCs, like there's a a side quest where you help a student that works at the church. Yes. Yeah, when she changes out of... Oh, God damn it, Reen. When when she changes out of her nun outfit into a school outfit, Reen's like, hey, she cleans up pretty nice. And and in a way that is a little creepy. And, um, and, 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 And also like the... I mean, your female main characters are in super mini skirts, and two of them are wearing thigh, thigh highs. This is not normal student attire. There, there is male gaze horniness in this game, and I think they, they, uh, they sort of they use a sort of masking technique, and this is the the term I'm uncertain of using properly with Angelica by having a a some gay tokenism with her acting very aggressively and pervertedly, but. They're saying, "Oh no, no, no! It's okay because she's a woman. We aren't doing male gazy like men groping women. It's, if it's a woman, it's okay. It's like, no, it's not okay. And yeah. like, yeah. like, like Angelica's likable, but her actions are not cool. I agree with all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but still, I mean, I kind of love." her rebellious streak against her family that like that's kind of awesome like in yeah. a, in a, uh, yeah like like she's an extreme version of Eusis in a way like like Eusis does not like sometimes resents his noble background and she completely rejects it and uh and like probably enjoys some of the privilege and resources that uh her family gives her but does not want any part to do with any of the rest of it it, it was well, it was a legitimate her yeah. father's a complete ass, isn't he? Yeah. Like, like, do oh, you yeah. ever see him? <laughs> oh yeah. Do you ever see him? No, uh, not. I in know this you, game. you do in Cold Steel too, for sure. But you yeah. See oh him, right, yeah. You see him in profile. They have the four leaders of the noble faction. Yes. Oh arguing, yeah. Arguing, arguing once, but oh, you, yeah. you don't even see distinctive features of him. It no, right. It doesn't count. Yeah, it was more if you saw him in Cold Steel too, but you probably do. And I think yeah. Zach just said, yeah. So yeah, you do. <laughs> do I get to punch uh, him? Sort of. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I hope, sort of, yeah. I hope she gets to punch him because Angelica <laughs> yes, Angelica has a right hook. She's uh, she fights with like uh, she, uh, she, yeah. she fights with some you know with some uh, like martial arts skills, and she has a like like she wears like a full like like leather or like a bodysuit. Yeah, yeah, leather or pleather bodysuit, yeah. like a, a little bit like you know uh, Bruce Lee in Game of Death, kind of. Although <laughs> she's in a much more sensible black instead of, instead of yellow yeah. with a black stripe. Yeah. Just but, definitely has a little bit of a Kill Bill vibe for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> definitely. But uh, yeah. Toa and George, the much friendlier half of the uh, of the quartet of second year students. Um, George, George is pudgy and very and very affable, and is an absolute mechanical genius who is able to explain away some of the magic technology in this game. <laughs> And he's a sweetheart as yeah. well. He's yeah. lovely. He's not actually played for laughs either, which no. I think is really nice. He's very yeah. intelligent, sociable. No, he, he does. He's really good at like. Mm-hmm. He's he's just not played for a joke or anything, and I really really like that. Yeah, no, he he's intelligent and nice, and his friends all like him. And uh, he uh, there's there's not a single fat joke at his at his expense, other than maybe him saying, maybe him being hungry occasionally. And I am hungry way more than occasionally, so I have no problem with that. <laughs> Yeah, um, um, but no, I really like George. Um, Toa as well is completely adorable. Yeah, I yes. love her. I would protect her. She she is definitely playing to a certain type that you know for people that want to protect their Toa figurine. Kind of <laughs> protect <thing>. your Toa. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, she but... reminds me a little bit of Emma, but she has like way more of a personality. So yeah, it, yeah exactly. Well, I this... think like 
this game does the tails thing where every playable character has a different hair color and i find that and i find that very very uh helpful because i'm a moron who forgets characters names unless they have a distinguishing feature like hair color but with toa having the same hair color as emma it's just too confusing and they both wear glasses <laughs> they're, they're, they're just trying to make me say something wrong on a podcast emma's has more purple though isn't it like no, don't they're, ask they're me both, they're both me. They're, no, 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 hers does have an edge of purple or blue to it, while Toa is, is, is brunette. Is, yeah, I think they're both basically brunette, but there's a but but there's like an like a more iridescent sheen to Angelica's hair. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, to Emma's hair. Angelica yeah. has straight up purple hair. Yeah, 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 like Emma's is more lilac. I would say. Mm. I would say I would say really Emma. I, I was I would say Emma is a brunette that has. That, that that has like a purplish sheen, not not purple straight up. I would say we're getting way too into specifics. Yep. <laughs> I like hair color. Right. So um, Toa, Angelica, and George are not playable, except that uh, Angelica is playable for one dungeon in Chapter Six, which is the best dungeon in the game because you get to use Angelica. Mm-hmm. She's really useful in that she's boss so battle. Good. She's real yeah. strong. Yeah. Yeah. She's I mean, like, she fainted. She fainted. See, like for me, over and over and over again. She's very she, useful. She's basically like. I don't know, like like fee with less evasion and really really good single target damage. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, she's just really good, uh, strong physical character, and uh, she was a couple levels higher than the rest of my party. So it's like, all right, welcome to the team, Angelica. Yeah, I think that's mandatory that she's like three levels above you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're a good set of supporting characters. Mm-hmm. But that's most of the important student characters uh, in the in the game. Before we g- dive into the plot, there's a uh, one more. A uh, quick question that I have for you guys was th- when you when you do these segments at the school, uh, there are side quests. There are so many side quests. There are all ten, the side quests. <laughs> like between three and six in every half chapter, uh, which is you know half at school, half in the field study. So was there a specific character or quest in any of these uh, um, school t- school life segments or field studies that you found particular particularly memorable or interesting? The, the hidden swimming uh, side quests were kind of fun. Um, just because, oh, uh, the man-way method? <laughs> yeah, the man-way me- method, yeah. I mean, it was so ridiculous and over-the-top. Uh, and especially, uh, who's the guy? Who's the uh, instructor? Nightheart. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah, Nightheart, Major, who Major is... Nightheart, yeah. Yeah, who, who is like sort of running you through those quests um, is so like takes it so seriously and it's all like so ridiculous that I thought that was amusing. But in general, I really don't like the side quests in this game. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. but that one I thought was funny. Uh, I definitely like the series of side quests or the one quest in uh, Heimdall dealing with uh, Phantom Thief. Oh yeah, Blue Blanc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Blue Blanc. Possibly, that possibly, was... uh, possibly another uh, another entry of LGBT re- representation in this game because Blue Blanc, Blue Blanc does not care about men or women. He only cares about beauty. Beauty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was fun, and especially because they added some voice acting into that uh, that wasn't present in the uh, original oh. version of the game. Oh, really? So, it's oh, so nice. delightful too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kirk Thornton does. You know, like okay. I love Kirk Thornton. Kirk Thornton so much. Yes. <laughs> I just hear Jade Curtis every time, though. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah, and Blue Blanc is uh, one of the central antagonists in Trails in the Sky second chapter. So mm-hmm. was, okay. Uh, so right. So he's. Off that. Um, so he's uh, he's an important presence in the series. I have no idea how much activity he does in the Cold Steel uh, uh, quartet because he uh, because I have only really played this one. But uh, like I recognized him pretty quickly in Chapter Two when you first see him without the mm-hmm. mask. 
and then uh, and then I and then when you play part of the story with him sending you on a scavenger hunt in chapter four in Heimdall, that was interesting. And at and near the end of the game, you see him speaking to uh, another surprise antagonist, which makes you think, oh, okay, that, so this is um, the Ouroboros organization showing up in this game again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking, uh, I don't, and I want to get to Robros really soon. But first, uh, the the reason I asked about favorite side quests or favorite uh, side characters is because I think this game, or at least the entire series, more like really lives with its like quotidian quest nature. It it, mm-hmm. it celebrates everyday things. Like it, like there's multiple side quests on finding lost pets when normally one is enough for an RPG. But you're finding missing. I uh, found at least seven cats in this game. Yes. Yeah. My <laughs> cat side quest in Heimdall is really cute, actually. Yeah. It, it was yeah. yeah there's, there's one in Heimdall and one in Ruer. There and, is. Um, yeah. And, oh, yeah. The, and the one in but like you're throughout the game you're you're finding people's missing suitcases you're replacing lights on the highway you're helping out farmers uh, and when you go on trains you like you have to buy a ticket and go on the train and play cards with your friends it really celebrates everyday things mm-hmm. and, and and represents them in an rpg that's why i use the word quotidian which i had to look up to make sure i was spelling or saying it correctly <laughs> but um i i, I sometimes love it and sometimes think it's too much and just want to get on with, right. get with the game part of the game. Because yeah. all of these side quests have naturally flowing dialogue and have discussion while you're doing the side quest and another discussion after you do the side quest. And the rewards are, are usually a small item but also points that apply to an overall score at the end. So I, I lost patience with the side quests sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think because... Uh, Legend of Heroes games, or maybe just Trails and spe- spe- uh, specifically, are about celebrating little things about the world building. That I mm-hmm. think that the, I think that they're like too important to the game not to include them. But I still think there was like a little too much of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate sort of like the the look at like you know populism and humanism, and especially, and again, I hate to keep talking about Cold Steel too, but it becomes important there to sort of, uh, and they don't sell it as well as maybe Suikoden um, does in terms of sort of looking at like the struggles of everyday people. And I like that, but eventually like, as I'm just like literally just walking two different, um, you know, green exclamation points over and over again, I, I didn't think that they were interesting enough or varied enough in terms of the types of stories they were telling to really sell it for me. Yeah. Again, like the dialogue in this game is good. I, I like the idea of including this many side quests, but sometimes I just lost patience, lost patience with them. But, uh, but um, Alana or Caitlin, um, did, did you, either of you have a, have a favorite side quest or a favorite one-off NPC involved in all of these multitudes, multitudes of side quests? Honestly, not really. I'm, I prob- Weirdly enough, even though I love the dialogue and love the characters, I probably preferred the quests during the field studies because I like monster hunting and going out yeah. and killing numbers of enemies. They felt more normal and more like things I wanted to do, whereas the ones on the school campus were like, collect some books or do this and hmm oh no i got i got sent the wrong package but i did i did like the weird occult studies girl yeah Yeah. there was a quest where she gave you the yeah beryl the one where she gave you like the nine um um things that happen around the school and they're all just like random everyday things like oh the light bulb's broken and it's just flashing and oh it was just me yeah the seven (laughs) mysteries of thors or something Mm -hmm. yeah something like that yeah that's one of the only ones that stick out otherwise i think i think like in terms of like characters you you get more out of just talking to the npcs over the course of the game than like any side quest that specifically involves them yeah i think so too 
And that makes sense because, you know, you have a lot more time to see their stories develop and, instead of just like one, you know, like 15 minute quest or something like that. Um, should also mention that Anton and Ricky from Trails in the Sky make an appearance a couple times in this game. So if you play mm-hmm. Trails Aww. in the Sky, specifically SC, uh, and you remember like the trophy involved with following Anton's story across that game, mm-hmm. they are here and he hasn't learned a single thing from <laughs> his trials and tribulations in Trails in the Sky. Oh, um, and, uh, he also, I will say, they show up in Crossbell too, and he still hasn't <laughs> learned a thing. <laughs> so, poor Anton. Oh, I like that. I like that a little NPC appears across the whole series. I'm trying to think of an equivalent to like something silly, but I can't. Nothing's coming to mind at the moment that's appeared in like multiple games in a verse. But yeah, that is quite cool. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think that like it, talking to characters, especially as the stakes get higher and higher and higher, every character reacts to those stakes. So seeing how they change and how they talk to you differently across the um, course of the game is way more interesting than doing, um, oh, picking up my library books for me or something like that. That also feeds our uh, completionist instinct a little bit because if you, as you talk to as many people as possible, you'll get like additional uh, paragraphs to their profile in the in the system menu, right? And uh, there's and sometimes you'll even be rewarded for just making sure to talk to as many people as you can between uh, mm-hmm. uh, between games. There's I think we might have mentioned this in the previous episode, but there uh, every Trails game has a series of books to collect, and um, each book is each book in the series is only available at a specific time, like in this chapter between these two events. And I if you think, co- nope. it, if you collect the if you collect the whole set and give it to Beryl, the occult girl, at the end of the game, she gives you uh she gives you an item that lets you upgrade uh one of your weapons to the best to to the best in class. And there's one in Heimdaller that you have to get where it's like literally like you have maybe fifteen seconds like you're on a map for a moment and then you have to go talk to somebody and it's you definitely are rewarded for slowing down and talking that, to people. Is that the one in the park? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, when you get to the park for the first time. And then you do an event, and then you return to the park, and then you leave permanently. And those those two visits of potentially one minute each are the only chances to get that book. I, I had to get it. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that there was a book series to collect, so I printed out a list and was and was careful <laughs> to get them all. Um, but there's a, there's a it's a different book series in each Trails game. It was uh, it, it's Red Moon Rose in this one, uh, and it was Carnelia in Trails in the Sky Part One. But uh, but but like and also uh, if you talk to all the teachers at a different point in the game, they'll give you a an ex- a medal accessory if you've accomplished a certain uh, I think it's either reached a certain point in the game or have a certain uh, student handbook score. Yeah, and there's it, student handbook multiple. score. There's a um, number of quests you've cleared, and then I can't right. remember what the third one is. There's but the, you get about about ten of them, and if you get most or all of them, then you get a really you get a really powerful master quartz from the princi- from the vice principal or principal. No, 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 it's the principal. Yeah, from Principal Van Dyke at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And I did not do that because I was not keeping track of all the teachers I had spoken to. So that was a, that was one master quartz I regrettably uh, missed out on. But I did get the two master quartz from completing the fishing mini game. Of course, I did. Yeah. Um, Wait, the medals? The medals is only three of them. Well, there's there's only four in the Lionheart set, but then there's but then there's more. There's about seven or eight total. And I think you need the Ford Lionheart ones to get it, to get the Master Quartz from Van Dyke. I think I'd have to check a list. There, there are so many 
pieces of like RPG esoteria in this game. <laughs> things of like, uh, sure. yeah, things of uh, collect all these items for reward at the end. Talk to every NPC because dialogue things will change. You'll get different endings and special scenes if you uh, if you complete certain conditions. Things that I find both endearing and maddeningly frustrating in RPGs. This this game just 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 really lives them. And some oh. and sometimes I love it, especially if I actually complete it. And sometimes I hate it, especially if I miss one step that is preventing me from completing it. Especially given the time crunch, you know, we're podcasting about it. Yeah, it's frustrating. You're like, oh, I want to complete all of it, and it's hard to do here. These games, they, they really feed your completionist instinct. They celebrate the the very small things and big things in RPGs, and it sometimes it got on my nerves, especially since I was trying to... I ended up beating half of the game in about five days. But um, It is very impressive, because it took me a lot longer than that. Well, I mean, I, I I was a bit of a slow starter on this. Like, I got through the first two chapters in like three weeks, and then the last four chapters in about a week. So, it is that's not a recommended pace to play this game. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I still enjoyed my time for sure. But let's talk about the larger plot a little bit some more. Um, we mentioned near the beginning that the plot stakes rise and the plot takes a clearer shape with each new chapter. And in chapter th- three, I think is the first time you meet. Uh, Comrade G, who we did talk about last episode, but soon after that, you learn that he is one of a member, uh, one member of a terrorist organization called the Imperial Liberation Front. And uh, comrades G, S, V, and C are the sort of core mem- uh, the core of that team, with a C being the Darth Vader masked character that we mentioned before. And uh, it's it's unclear what they're doing for most of the game, but they definitely want to destabilize uh, Erebonia and possibly throw it into war. They're pretty out. They're pretty upfront about not liking Chancellor Osborne. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, they're basically like we want to take him down, and they've all got different reasons for it, which you gradually find out as you confront them. All four of them. Well, you don't really necessarily find out about Gideon's motives no, too well, no, much. No, yeah, you, no, you, you do. About yeah, um, I, yeah the, the a one, little bit. The one I don't think you hear as much about is Scarlet. Uh, they Scarlet only, doesn't. They, yeah. Yeah. They, they mentioned, oh, okay. They mentioned, yeah, you're right. They, yeah, they mentioned offhand that she lost her hometown because they were building a railroad through it, and that's it. But you learn okay, more yeah. about that in Cold Steel too. Yeah, that makes cool. sense. But uh, yeah, uh, V was a was a member of a mercenary uh, of a mercenary group of Jaegers that got wiped out uh, because of the because the Chancellor mm-hmm. outmaneuvered them. And uh, excuse me, Gideon was a teacher who uh, diametrically opposed um, the That's right. uh, um, yeah. Osborne's uh, pattern of annexing different uh, nations to build power for uh, for Erebonia. And so, so like for him, it was more ideological, and for Scarlet and Vulcan, it was a little bit more personal. And and I think for C, it's also more personal. But we don't learn everything about his motives at the game, unless there's a very very end game scene that I'm missing. No, no you no. you find out and find out too. too, of right, course. Fair, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they hint they hint at it. They mention that he was uh, that he grew up in the dry special economic zone, which is a. Uh, which was a country annexed by Osborne eight years ago, but other than the, but there's definitely more to that story that I do not personally know yet, because I've I've um I, I uh, should we talk about him now or should we wait a little while? I mean, eh. might as well do it now. Might as well talk about him now. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, Comrade C is Crow Armburst, the uh, <laughs> one of your one of your second year senpai at the at the military academy, and he was using a combination of misdirection and smoke screens and recorded audio to make it seem like he was not ever in the same place as Comrade C. 
And mm-hmm. in, in a way, I think this fits Crow's personality a little bit because the very first thing he does when he mentions you is do a dis- is yeah. is, tr- is trick Reen with a disappearing coin, the mm-hmm. fifty mirror, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and um, and when you look at the ILF's strategies throughout the game, uh, for especially for the kidnapping and for the and for the assault on uh, on the fortress at the end of chapter five. Uh, he always uses misdirection and simultaneous actions. It's always, oh, there's something going on here and something going on here, but their real target was the third place. That, like that—that's his. Right. That, that's his like modus operandi every time, and that sort of fits the guy who appears to grab a coin, but really he lets it fall into the bag next to his feet. Mm-hmm. Like, like he has this sleight of hand misdirection edge to how he behaves. That make that like makes the personality of that student fit the strategy of this terrorist, <laughs> which yeah. is a little weird to say. But uh, but yeah, he ends up being the um, the surprise antagonist of this game, or or one of the key ones. And it turns out that Milliam joined your class because Crow has been had been a suspect uh, to be connected to the ILF for an undetermined amount of time. But they they had Milliam Milliam's assignment with class. Seven was to keep an eye on Crow, which he totally failed because in the climax of Chapter Seven, he sneaks off back to the uh, uh, back to the capital and shoots the Chancellor in the chest. Yep. Um, that's the that's the real climax of the story is an assassination uh, attempt or possibly full assassination. I believe I I believe they mentioned he was dead in uh, yes. uh at, at, yeah in the capital at the very end of the game. They don't. They don't confirm it. I don't think they say that yeah. he's being rushed off to be treated. But yeah, he looks like he's dead. But I mean, so in, yeah. in, in, in this kind of in this kind of game, I mean, do people really stay dead for long? <laughs> uh, yeah. Fair point. Um, if, if yeah, you, I, I don't. I don't know. But if you told me he was a that was a body double, or there was a whole army of clones of Giliath Osborne, or if he was really a, a secretly immortal uh, zombie, like. Any of those things would would make sense to me because that's the kind of game this is. Yeah, I mean, I think with uh, with Crow, they um, actually plant the seeds for him being C like really smartly. Um, like he disappears at a very specific time in Chapter Six, and sort of all the stuff you were talking about with his personality <laughs> um, earlier. I, I mean, I at the end of Chapter Six, I was like, okay, I think it's Crow, but I still didn't know for sure because like it, even as you like go back and watch it again. Um, it's not super obvious. So I think that they plant just enough seeds for you to maybe figure it out. And when you go back, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Um, but it's still like a, it's still a mystery that I don't think is super easy to call, which I thought was really smart. Yeah, I, they mostly play fair with this twist. Um, yeah, I, I agree. They, mm-hmm. they uh, I think twists need um, foreshadowing and recontextualization. They, they like they make you they make you notice foreshadowing that you didn't notice before and make you rethink the beginning parts of the story in, mm-hmm. in new context and, and the puzzle pieces fit still fit together. I think that it, when, when a spoiler just comes out of nowhere and, and breaks those rules or doesn't foreshadow itself, I think that, that that's just twisting for the sake of twisting. But this is, this one's, this, this one was pretty good. And they also telegraph it a little bit by naming him comrade C of all things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That helped. Yeah, like, <laughs> How many other you know? Yeah. Yeah. With C. I, I, Claire was my other guess. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Claire as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I certainly have changed things. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend I knew it was Crow from the beginning because over a year ago I saw the trailer for Cold Steel Two and it shows Crow in like a, in, in a giant robot fighting Reen. So I'm like, oh, he's yeah. a, so he's the bad guy. All right. In Azure, in the Azure Night, yeah, yeah, because it turns out um, 
Yeah, in chapter seven, you <laughs> like you, you do your final uh, stay in uh, in the dungeon under the old schoolhouse, and you find a giant robot at the bottom. Eh, Valimar. Yeah, Valimar. Because yeah, it, it, the whole thing was a test to find a a true uh, like you know a a knight worthy of Valimar, and that ends up being Reen. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that there was a simil- another knight found in uh, another city in the in the in Erebonia that identified Crow as its master. So like there's the the end conflict is a Crow versus Reen mecha battle that uh Reen loses. Yeah, cuz yeah. he's not ready. And uh and <laughs> also uh, a little bit before that like the 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 noble commoner sort of Osborne versus versus nobles, uh railway military police versus provincial armies, all those conflicts sort of come to a head. Uh, in the Crossbell State, and and the uh, the army learns that the nobles are uh, are bankrolling the Imperial Liberation Front. It's it, there's uh, basically all, all of the um a lot of the secrets start being revealed, and mm-hmm. all of the tension just keeps increasing, increasing until in the same 15 minute period or so, the Crossbell State declares independence, which is which creates political tension. Um, there's the assassination attempt on the uh on on the Chancellor that. Seemed successful, but I'm not. I'm not gonna throw that out yet. And uh, it appears that Erebonia is about to go into into a nobles versus commoners civil war. And then the game ends. Yep. yep. <laughs> and yep. you're like, ah. I, I can't imagine having to wait for a cliffhanger. I mean, I, it's obviously I, I picked it up and played it immediately before we even recorded this part. So yeah, there's I a, couldn't wait. <laughs> there's also a cliffhanger at the end of Trails of Trails in the Sky One, and Trails in the Sky Two. To to its credit. Um, basically, immediately addresses it and says, "Okay, we're going to do this, and now we're g- and now this is our th- plot thrust for the rest of the game." But I and I had to wear, wait five years for that for the localization. I, I think <laughs> oh, I think oh, I yeah. think they were yeah, the localizations. Think, um, yeah, I think the localizations were 2011 and 2015, and I didn't get to it until 2016. I think um, I, I might be a year or two off on those numbers. But this is similar, but might have an even more dramatic uh, climax before the before you have to go on to the next game. Like it's. <laughs> Uh, what happens in Trails in the Sky is big and makes you want to play second chapter right away, but this one is this is bigger and flashier for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely on a bigger scale. It's it's yeah. it's it's I don't know. I don't want to say it's less emotional because there's still a shit ton of emotion behind that yeah, final it, confrontation, but it feels maybe it's not as personal is not the right word, but it's highly personal in FC. What happens like super down to an individual really, mm-hmm. but Cold Steel has you know, significance for the entire country and even like the entire uh, continent, really. So like, there's definitely a difference in scale between those two cliffhangers. Yeah, but but yeah, but they're a little similar in that uh, in that it's a there's a surprise villain reveal and yeah, uh, and then a I don't want to go into all of what happens or you should listen to our previous episodes on Trails in the Sky. But the, but there's a there's a surprise villain and some dramatic encounters and it definitely leaves you hanging. It's not a uh, it it is a cliffhanger and not a satisfying wrapped up in a box conclusion. Yeah. For for both Cold Steel one and Sky one, but I I want to talk about uh, about compare them a little bit more because I I think that Trails in the Sky is and and Trails of Cold Steel are RPGs that are sort of a that almost feel like they're in separate generations even though they're clearly written by the same people because Trails in the Sky is less about a group of of teens and does not have years of popular persona games and uh and and you know and anime 
and anime designs appealing to specific parts of of the audience that will buy the statues and 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 buy the drama CDs. <laughs> so like it like Trails in the Sky feels like a 90s RPG and Trails of Cold Steel feels like a feels like a like a like a school anime RPG mm-hmm. of of different eras even though they were on, they're only something like 6 years apart and written, and written by the same people. Well, no, it wasn't Trails in the Sky mid two thousands in Japan. Yeah. So yeah, isn't it was, there like yeah, a, it was, it was, there's it, about eight or nine years between the two series? Like, I guess when, when was Cold. When, when was it? Was two thousand five is when it started? I think so. It was like Trails in the Sky. I think Cold yeah. Steel One came out in twenty thirteen. Okay, so so so, yeah. so, so, yeah. so it's oh four oh five to twenty thirteen about. So, but it they but they feel further apart than that, and I think it's because yeah, they do. But I think and I think part of it is because of the main characters. Trails in the Sky is about uh, two teenagers on a journey. That are learning that go on a world tour and learn about their world, and the and the ultimate conflict at the end is about the two is about their relationship and the two of them. In Trails of Cold Steel, you get nine of your eleven main characters in the first thirty minutes, and that and and you're sort of growing as a class, and it feels and sometimes it felt like Reen was less of a main character and more of a passenger, with you learning about the about this world through the lens of these nine very different students from very from oh, different yeah. from different parts of the world. And, yeah. with, and so with Trails in the Sky, I think I felt closer to Estelle than I did to any of these characters in Cold Steel, because it really was a an emotional and personal journey for Estelle and her relationship with uh, with Yashua. But with, with, with Cold Steel, the story is more about Erebonia through the through the lens of nine special characters that you get from the beginning. So it, like it, you can tell these games were written by the same people and are set by in the same world because there's so many, there, there's a lot of pattern between them. But I, the whole time playing Cold Steel, I was comparing it to my experience playing Sky. <laughs> like I, I don't feel feel as close to any of Class Seven than I do to Estelle, but Class Seven feels mo- so much more important to this world than Estelle and Yashua were to the, to Liberal. Just because yeah. because Cold Steel is really about. About uh, Erebonia, while Trails in the Sky was about Estelle and Yashua. Well, it'd be interesting comparing it to Crossbell as well, because everything yes. I know about those two games is that they're basically set in that one city-state, am I right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, so that's a much smaller scale than the other two games. Um, yeah, I think they mentioned Crossbell is like smaller than Heimdall, which is the capital city wow. of Erebonia. I skimmed over that. Yeah, that's or, uh, well in population, definitely. Yeah, in, in population. Yeah, population. Yes. I remember. Oh, okay, time dollar is huge. Because the, the, yeah. the, the thing about Crossbell, and I have not played the two Crossbell games, is that it's a it's a small but uh, but strategically and economically important city state that has been passed back and forth, but that has, and has been fought over by Erebonia and Calvard for decades or maybe even hundreds of years, and is nominally under the control of Erebonia, but in the events of the two Crossbell games and peripherally in the events of Cold Steel. It uh, the, the the ILF attacks a trade conference there. The mayor declares its independence and then freezes its bank assets, so that uh, basically um, dealing a huge blow to the Erebonian economy. And that and that uh, that is part of the escalation to the civil war at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. It's this is a series of RPGs that share a world, and the political machinations of the world is re- is like you see different phases of it and different sides of it with each game and and through different characters in a way that's fascinating world building mm-hmm. it's but, extremely good yeah, yeah but, i mean but I, again, I desperately want to play the crossbow games especially after cold steel 2 so yeah <laughs> yeah but but still but trails in the sky one felt like a felt like teens on an adventure and cold steel i'm sorry yeah trails in the sky one felt like teens going on an adventure and i felt really close to Estelle and yashua cold steel one is felt more like a 
global cl- conflict that you're seeing through the eyes of these, like, again, nine students that were basically handpicked to, to be together because of their different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It's it, it was really clear to me in Chapter 6 when Oliver uh, says he wants to be a third faction that isn't noble or commoner. Like, yeah. like, he designed Class 7. He got one of, he got one of the most influential, neutral... Uh, politically powerful people to captain his ship, uh, Laura's dad, and he wants Class Seven to be the building blocks of his like new er- new Erebonian future. And uh, which makes me shocked that there aren't fewer people trying to assassinate Oliver. <laughs> right, I know he does so many things. Like he's he's pretty integral to a lot of Trails in the Sky, isn't he? He's in one and he's, two. Yeah, he's. In I one, think he, no, he's in all, he's in all three of them, but he's a more mar- he in, he, he's a more major he's character. Not all, yeah. Yeah. I think if Osborne thought he could get away with assassinating Oliver, he would. Mm. But I think Osborne's smart enough to realize he there's no way he can, and he would prefer to use Oliver to, rather than kill him. And yeah, I, they hate each other. <laughs> you and, can really tell that. And I think Oliver knows he's trying to be used as a political pawn, but he's using his freedom and his resources to do this thing with the a giant airship called the Courageous, <laughs> and and a, and a special class of uh, of high school students that could. You know who's uh, back? Who could potentially shape the world one generation from now? Yeah, I can totally see how both the ship and Class Seven are heavily inspired by his uh, his experiences in Trails in the Sky, uh, nesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in the tasks that he and the uh, the various directors have the uh, the students go on are essentially bracer tasks. They're there to, to they, they go around the country or rather the east side of the country and they learn about the people and the, the conflicts and whatnot and make their own independent decisions about what to do about things. And then, of course, the Courageous is uh, basically an upgraded version of the uh, the Arsail from uh, from Trails in the Sky. So it's it's, you know, it's 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 nice to see that he took all those experiences and he's trying to use them for good in Erebonia, especially in Erebonia, a country where the Bracers Guild has lost a lot of influence uh, over the last few years. Correct. And, yeah, again, this is one character doing political machinations in a big civil war. Like, we, we mentioned there was four heads of families. We haven't even mentioned the guy that's, uh, that rules, that rules uh, what is it, Ordine? Ordine? Well, Duke Cayenne. Yeah, yeah, Duke Cayenne. We haven't even mentioned yeah. him yet, and he's one of the leaders of one of the noble faction, and is one of the slimiest dudes in the whole game. It's because oh, yeah. he only turns up like once, and then you yeah. immediately like the minute he turns up, like I'm just yeah, he turns up in chapter five, doesn't he? With um, yep. yeah, Laura's he talks dad. to Laura's dad. Ooh, yeah. yeah, I have a feeling we'll be seeing a lot of him. There are so <laughs> many characters and so many like ideologies and ideas clashing against each other that. Yeah, again, I hate to go back to Trails in the Sky, but part, <laughs> Cold Steel Part 1 feels like table setting for like for sort of a more action-packed second chapter. Oh, it is. Yeah. It, it totally is. Yeah, which is the same pattern that Trails in the Sky followed. And I, and I liked Trails in the Sky 2 way more than the first one, so I'm, I, I'm a little eager to get to the second game if I didn't have a new RPG to play every month for a podcast or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, going back to the field studies, uh, chapter four takes place in the capital Heimdall. Chapter five takes place in Laura's uh, hometown Legrim, which is a which is a very pretty tiny village on the sea. And chapter six pl- takes place in the hyper industrialized, uh, technologically advanced uh, city of Ruhr, which is a which is Elisa's hometown. 
And uh, yeah, each one of those has a, uh, a, a terrorist activity that the that the class thwarts, and in doing so, learns more about the larger conflict. We mentioned that we meet the one of the heads of the noble houses in Legrim trying to negotiate with Laura's dad. In Ruer, uh, we learned that the terrorists are being bankrolled by the nobles because the nobles try to interfere with a uh, with a military police uh, investigation of one of the factories and mm-hmm. end up holding off the military police so the terrorists can uh, take hostages in a mine and do goodness knows what it's it it, it gets pretty stark <laughs> and and the the, no, the nobility is not easy to root for at the end of chapter 6 like it it's clear that they're that these factions are trying to murder each other and they don't care what happens to like the the, uh, innocence in the in the conflict it's difficult because i don't really root for either side because chancellor osborne is probably the character who makes me the most uncomfortable yeah. in the entire yeah. game like it's made really clear like the minute he walks into the room at the end of chapter four after you've saved um the princess and your sister um like the music changes goes really dark he's got this deep booming voice the way he talks to you as well it's just I do not like him and like his, I don't know. Like I, I just do not trust either side. Basically yeah, like I, we've got the, I, I don't think the game wants you to trust either side. Right. As well. that, that, You're right. It's, it's, it's probably my own politics informing it a little bit. I, no, I, like, I, yeah, I am, I low in a lower class versus upper class conflict. I mean, I'm inclined to want to root for a lower, for a lower class person that's trying to rise, rise above <laughs> their economic disadvantage. But but the way that the game presents the conflict is that there's there are shitty people on both sides. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no. I think that the nobles in general are usually presented as being worse people. But, you know, with yes. Osborne, I mean, he's he's colonized, you know, it seems to be basically trying to, like, you know, um, colonize everything around him sort of yeah. at the expense of every life. But it, he he at the top is someone you see as being negative. But, like all the people who work for him, you like, you know, like, so Claire and Milliam, whether we like Milliam or not, but they seem like good people. And so I think that's sort of how that distinction is created. That's why we root for them is because like the people we know are nice, even though Osborne seems to be maybe the worst of all of them. And and And, the the, the craziest thing is that Osborne's second in command is, is Machias's dad. And I think that um, governor Regnitz is a good person trying to do the best for his country. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and, similar, yeah. and similarly, I, I, uh, I think you guys might disagree with me on this a little bit. I don't think Rufus Alborea is bad. I, I, think, I do. I think he's eating the No fan. comment. No comment. I think I think he is. Uh, he's of a noble family, and he's charismatic and mostly well liked within his within his hometown. But he's. I think he's also trying to do the best uh, at dis- at diffusing the situation. And uh, uh, at, at least, at least in part, because I, I don't have a bad impression of Rufus the way I do of his father and the other uh, noble leaders. No, Zach I and I are snickering. I mean, I, I don't trust <laughs> him at all. Like when he turned up in chapter six, like I was like, "What are you doing here? Why are you always here when I don't want you to be here?" He turns up in chapter five in the car, drives off with Duke Cayenne. So, so you don't. So you trust. So you trust him, but you don't trust Sharon. <laughs> I don't trust Sharon either. Okay, Who is the Never say anything negative about Sharon. Never anything about Sharon. I, I like, I like Sharon. Everything. I like Sharon yeah. a lot, but I think she's another secret child assassin, just like uh, yeah. just, just well, like Fee and and possibly other uh, characters from the from the trilogy that are definitely spoilers. 
I mean, Sharon is a, definitely a member of Ouroboros. It's been confirmed yeah. in the game, but they she's on holiday. That, yeah. She's on leave at the moment, so you can't, you know. Yeah, she <laughs> she's works. She's just the butler or the maid for yeah, the. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think she's one of the anguists, one of the leadership. She's an enforcer. She's an enforcer. Yeah. She's an enforcer. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so, so she's not like the main villain for, for of, number nine. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's not the, like the main villain of Skies One and Two. Who's who was an anguist leader? She, she's more like, uh, like, uh, like, 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 um, oh shoot, what was. Um, what was Yashua's uh, former friend back there, like Le- Leon Hart or something? Low. Yeah, yeah, Low. Yeah, she's yeah, she, she, she's, she, she's like Low. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, they're they are both enforcers. Yeah, right, right. I couldn't I couldn't remember that. I know that there's there's anguises and enforcers, and they're both numbered. And there's also a group below enforcers, and I forget what they're called. I would say it's not important. Yeah, but no, I don't I remember the name. Actually, there are so yeah. many names and numbers and organizations and stuff in this game and normally it's I love Kingdom Hearts yeah, yeah yeah normally I love that I love stuff like that except when it's Kingdom Hearts mm. <laughs> um, I mean it's like a Tales game they just throw yeah, terminology well, at yeah. you yeah and Tales and Kingdom Hearts are just really ripping off Super Sentai we all know it's true um, <laughs> but the but yeah I, like, I normally love this kind of stuff there's just there's just so many names that it's uh, that my head's spinning a little bit I also didn't get a lot of sleep last night trying to finish this game in time I'll <laughs> <laughs> do it but uh Let's see. Fast forward to the ending. Actually, no, we're not fast forwarding to the ending. Let's talk about the some things that we haven't mentioned at all in either of these episodes. Uh, Caitlin, mm-hmm. I I read somewhere once that you enjoy video game music. Yes, I do. I would say I would hear it on a podcast because I'm not sure that podcast exists anymore. Well, back episodes do. <laughs> I, I'm being unfair, but we didn't talk about the soundtrack at all in the first part of uh, this podcast. So. Uh, I think this is a really good soundtrack. It's, I mean, it's it's Falcom as hell. There's like, okay, there's now here's piano and violin going into a go, going into a going into a harsher sound, and uh, there and here's the pop song in the middle, and it's like it's it, it it's definitely Falcom, but it's a really really good Falcom. It's one of the well, I mean, like there's a lot of strong soundtracks in the Trail series, but it's one of the strongest I think um, out of all the soundtracks, uh, and 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 one of the strongest soundtracks I've, I've heard from Falcom. Not that I've listened to all of it, but you know, Falcom has a lot of great music between Trails and Ease and and all that jazz. Um, there's it's it's a huge four disc soundtrack with lots of different tracks between battle tracks and town tracks and exploration tracks and cutscene tracks and some of my favorite battle themes uh, and area themes um, in any of the Trails games. I love Heimdall's music. Heimdall is one of my, my favorite. Yeah. Like, out, out of all the field studies, I think it's probably Heimdall and then Ruhr are my favorite uh, area themes. Um, Don't Be Defeated by a Friend, which is the... Uh, mm. the uh, uh, pract- uh, practical exam and and it also always shows up as a boss fight um, shortly before the final boss fight in the field studies uh, belief which is the uh, one of the the epic uh, boss themes that plays a couple times uh, throughout the game and then of course like the boss theme when you're fighting the final boss in the old schoolhouse and then the decisive collision still one of the best trails boss themes if not the best trails boss there's really good boss music in this game yeah i I think i think i like the regular uh enemy the the most recurring battle track in sky better than cold steel but the boss music is better in cold steel i didn't like (laughs) most of fc's music like silver will is the queen love silver will but most of fc's music was pretty kind of yeah no i i i only am really attached to like 
airship music and battle music in Trails in Trails in the Sky. I think Cold yeah. Steel has a better has a better uh, audio presentation in general. What do you guys think? Oh, you named most of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I think honestly, well, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of this. Like, I went and bought this. Like, by the time I hit chapter three, this has been on my playlist for months now. Um, so, yeah, I I'm not as familiar with Falcom stuff. I've played a couple of Ease games. Um, I have heard some Trails in the Sky soundtrack music. Um, but like, this is great. This is just heavy rock, tons of violin, like East Origin levels of like heavy violin and epic guitar music um tire link to arcus is probably my favorite boss music that which is the one that you tend to get on all of the hunts and all of the yeah um, yeah bigger that, animals that one um, stuck out to me yeah yeah i do like the normal battle theme uh favorite area music i like lowengrin castles music weirdly oh, enough that was a good dungeon theme and I all not a good dungeon. Um, but uh, well, well, I mean, are, are, are there are there any are there any good dungeons in this game? It's it's okay. Go to the empty space, get a key. It's I actually I kind of like it because it's got a puzzle system to it. But there's something about that dungeon, aka the boss, that I really hate. Oh god, I hate it. Suck it. Oh yeah, and it's um, not even he's not even the problem. It's his ads that are the problem. It's the same yeah. thing with the the boss, the final boss in the old well, story. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh boy, Thank that's you. why you do what I do and have like three out of four characters have aerial and at all times and just yep. <laughs> long area of effect magic. I use magic too much in this series. Yeah, I oh this whatever I was at the end, so I didn't struggle as much with the end boss as I did with them. Um, that's for but. There was still a pain, um, but otherwise, I think the end boss is pretty similar to Nosferatu because because it's, of, yeah, same yeah. idea with the ad. It's you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the same. It's a similar entity, so it makes sense. S craft them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I, the second half of this game, I just abused S crafts constantly, especially Laura. She took off half of the final boss's HP with one S craft. Yep. So Laura yeah. and peace, no victory. Yep. It's oh, totally true. My, my, <laughs> my strategy and Dominion wielding Laura. Yep. Yeah. Vermilion and, and Dominion and, and just stack yeah. strength. Ooh. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. I I would all my team was always uh, Reen, then a frontliner, then a booster, and then a magic user, which basically means um, basically meant everyone besides Gaius and uh, and Crow. <laughs> because, yeah. Because uh, because I didn't think that they had uh, they had crafts that fit into my pattern as well, but I always. Like I always wanted area of effect magic because it's uh, because sometimes if you just spend your C- your CP too fast in a boss fight, it's too hard to to regain it quickly without going through a bunch mm-hmm. of very expensive food. Yeah, so, I mean, I yeah, I just yeah. abuse the Mobius corpse. Mobius, uh, you, it, you can yeah, and just good. like throw throw CP food at everyone and then just you know spam S breaks again. So yeah, that was my that was my strategy. And using help, stuff like I, the gladiator headband and gladiator yes. belt really helps. Yeah. I, I did use for those sure. too, and I and I use those for my frontline characters. But I think that I think you need to have a powerful magic user in every party because, it, yeah. because just just area of effect spells are very powerful in this game. But it's a little bit easy to just go meathead uh, and just have all physical attackers. But I, I never liked doing that. <laughs> and um, in, in Trails in the Sky, my like my favorite side characters to use were Sherazard and Olivier because I could just put double aerials on both of them extremely easily. Uh, the the way ornaments work in Trails in the Sky is way more math in, than than in Trails of Cold Steel. Oh you, yeah, yeah. You have to yeah like every every ornament has a score on it, and by putting them in different lines and different combinations, you added different scores to your elements, and you only unlock spells by getting certain number combinations of elements. Oh yeah, yeah. They they, they they kept the uh, 
the arrangement of orbments for cold steel, they, they still are in different lines and different branches instead of just a regular circle. But they, uh, but instead instead of making you do math, they just let you slap on whatever uh, orbment you I was, want. I was going to uh, say that really confuses me because I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything to that. But there is there in is, sky. There is one. Well, there, there's one uh, small thing. It's um, uh, if something is very far down the chain, it costs more uh, sepith to unlock. So it's yeah. so, so stuff. Right. Okay. So stuff, is that yeah, it? So stuff, no. 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 Yeah, almost. Okay. Almost. Okay. Almost. It's. It, so that, that's why the very, very last uh, chains for um, Elliot and Emma were really expensive to unlock. But also, whenever you unlock them, your EP goes up, and the and the more it costs to unlock, the more the bigger the EP bonus is. Right. Okay. Which is why the casters, the the healers, Emma and Elliot, have generally unbroken chains. Yes. Yeah. They're right. they're designed to be spellcasters. Okay, in, in, a, in, in Trails in the Sky, having an unbroken chain was amazing, because you could you could put a lot of different ornaments on there, and the numbers would get very high and lo- unlock powerful spells. And, and more physical characters would have uh, would have smaller chains, so their their ornaments were less expensive to unlock. But they could it was very challenging to get them to learn powerful spells. But in Trails of Cold Steel, they do away with most of the math, and now you just and now just ornaments say what they do, which is probably a better system. I think there are pluses and minuses to both systems. And I think it's easy to just knee-jerk say that Cold Steel is a dumbed-down simplification of Sky. I think it's a necessary simplification. In Sky, I hated doing doing the math and it, it made it made Olivier and Chloe really useful since they since they had almost totally unbroken chains. But uh mm. It's too easy to have every character in the game in Sky have a shit ton of magic, though. Once you start getting access to the different elemental gems, which give you in, a huge totals in one or multiple elements, mm-hmm. you can easily have even a character like Zinn, who has no business casting anything aside from, like, I don't know, Earthwall, have an ungodly amount of attack magic, which he won't be able to utilize properly because he doesn't have the, the art stat for it. So... You know, there's less consideration of like numbers with Cold Steel because you don't have to worry about that. Um, but it also feels like you don't have to waste as much in Cold Steel as you do in Sky. And, you know, having to think about, okay, I need six blues in order to cast some level healing spell or this powerful, you know, ice or water magic spell. I have to, you know, put in quartz that I may not want my characters using otherwise for the, the the direct effect that it gives me, just so that I have the total elements in order to cast the magic I want. Um, whereas Cold Steel lets you just say, well, this quartz gives me these spells, this quartz lets, lets me do this. It lets you kind of, I don't know, instead of just piling magic on everyone uh, and, and deciding quartz based on what spells they give you access to, you can more... Uh, customized characters around builds uh not just like magic like what arts they have access to but different like stat boosting you know boosting attack boosting evasion things like that um i also really like the fact that there's no more penalty to using stat boosting uh courts you know in, in sky games you put an attack quartz on, it means you lose some defensive ability and vice versa. There's that's... Or, you, or you don't get to stack up your mag- your uh, your magic elemental numbers enough. And and it and it prevents and sometimes doing a good status quartz or a good um passive quartz prevented you from getting better spells. Yeah, yeah. It's a different system and uh Cold Steel of course has the master quartz, which gives you most master quartz anyway, give you a smattering of spells and, and stat boosts and some other bonuses. So they help to 
that helps to balance out the fact that you can't necessarily overload characters as much with arts as you could in Sky. Magic is more powerful in Sky for only certain characters with, with that had long chains. And instead of having to check a guide to see what spells will unlock with different counts of elemental scores, all the all of the abilities you learn are just are directly on the courts. You like you you look at them in the menu and you see what it'll do to the character. You don't have to check a guide. You don't have to plug and play and, and experiment. And and this means that basically anyone can use any spell. And physical builds are more viable. And uh, you have to do less math and less work to get uh, to get good spells on your characters, and I think that is largely a positive change. Because even though I liked you, I liked heavy magic characters in Trails in the Sky because because magic was powerful. I don't have to hand ring as much w- messing around with people's uh, um, pe- with with people's ar- ar- Arcus or uh, what's what was what was the word for their orbments? Yeah, orbments. Yeah, I wouldn't have to mess with people's orbments quite as. Uh, <clears throat> quite as stressfully in trails and in, in trails of cold steel but also the the uh the cast is is larger in trails of cold steel you have you have nine people from the get-go and always five or six people at once you only have you in trails in the sky uh one and two you don't have more than four characters until like the 70 percent mark of the game yeah and people are leaving and, and coming and going in your party with a hard cap of four kind of like i don't know kind of like a 90s kind of like a final fantasy game before ff6 yeah, and you'd have to also be careful because the courts learn spells, and if you've got like a healing spell on Elliot, and then he learns that healing spell, like, oh wait, I have to go and shuffle everything around again and work out what's better, whatever scenario. The, the, I master, the master courts do, but I yeah, see. yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, and master courts they learn spells, and then if you you learn a spell that you already got equipped on a separate courts on that master courts then you think and it's that's also cool because the master courts really allow you to tweak builds multiple Mm -hmm. different builds for the same character like you could uh rain rain starts off with uh with force which lets him regain cp when he kills enemies and you can you can keep him on that path by eventually giving him what mobius which also does uh something similar um or I'm thinking of a different course. Uh, Ares, Ares, Ares does a similar thing where it lets, yeah. it, lets you, it lets you heal EP and uh, HP with 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 spells. But well, yeah, but Ares is a magic course. There's another there's yeah. another uh, master course you can get that uh, lets you regen CP. Um, oh, it's as me- well. megalith. Megalith, yes. Yeah. Um, but you can also give him like I actually swapped his master course with Fees. I gave him Fees uh, uh, Raven worked. so yeah. that he had that insane speed boost. It helped him delay it. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can do things like that. Fee got a course that get, boosted her evasion, so she could be an evasion tank. Uh, and of course, the queen Laura gets Vermilion, so that she can just yeah. like destroy, destroy things. Everything. I never took yes. that. <laughs> yeah. no. As soon as I got Vermilion, I popped it on her immediately. Yeah. But that's really neat that you can do that. And just as a side note, future Cold Steel games let you equip more than one Master Quartz. So you'll now be able to further customize and make all sorts of different builds. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, Cold Steel. Is that starting in Cold Steel 3? Yes, it is. Yes. It's so good. One of the starting Master Quartz in Cold Steel 3 is named Bridget. So I immediately texted our mutual friend Bridget. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You Uh, took a picture of it, didn't you? You asked. Yeah, yeah, and that they, and it said I had like I was moused over the remove button, and she begged not to remove herself from uh, from the orbment. But yeah, like master courses are uh, really powerful, and uh, I think maybe a master course was my favorite new thing to find in the game. Like if, if I got a new item, I was most excited if it was a master course because I knew that I could totally 
uh, reshape how one of my characters played, and master courses are are very mm-hmm. powerful and and level up, and I just love leveling things up. I mean, shocker! Mm-hmm. I am at a website called RPG Fan. <laughs> but let's see, what else have we not uh, addressed in this game? The combat in this game it, it it feels sort of in the tradition of like a game arts Lunar or Grandia game because. Uh, because uh, it, I think space is very important. Um, there's yeah. uh, like we mentioned AOEs. There's uh, like both enemies and the player characters have to behave like rules of spacing and di- and attacks have different charge times and area of effects, and you have to uh, manipulate all of that. Uh, and I, I really really like that. It, again, it's a a vibe of Lunar or Chrono Trigger or Grandia, three games that I love. It affects items as well, which I don't think it does necessarily with the other three. So you have to be one. Well, different characters have different movements, and different arts have different. That, that's true. That's like, true for Lunar, but uh, it is but, true for Lunar as yeah, well. But, okay, but not, yeah, but not uh, not Chrono Trigger. Um, or Grandia, no. Yeah, it, Grandia is a, is a little bit of a an evolution of Lunar's combat, but with but with more but with a, with fewer restrictions and more and more new systems. Uh, yeah, you don't have to be a certain distance from someone to use an item on them. Yeah. Like you can't use a revival item on someone who's the other side of the screen in Cold Steel, right. which definitely happened more than once. Yes, it happened to me in the, <laughs> la- in the last boss. The last boss is a big boy that takes up a lot of space, and uh, somehow m- my characters got trapped on opposite sides of him. <laughs> so I couldn't, yeah, so I couldn't use um... items. Laura's spin move uh, moves yeah. her like round all the enemies and in, in the middle. Where, and, depending uh, on where I, put I think her. one of Reen's delay moves does that too, right? So, um, yeah, one, his initial of, his 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 initial one runs through the enemy, and uh, one of his later ones, uh, he sort of leaps into an enemy space and pushes them away. Similar similar to Laura to oh, Laura's spin. Yeah, yeah, but, but the leaf cutter has him run through a group, so he'll often end up at the opposite side of the group of enemies yeah. from your from your starting point. But yeah. uh, but yeah, like space is important. Um, managing CP and EP for your crafts for your arts and crafts are very important. There, there's a lot of systems in play, but um, I think it's never really play, it's never really unfair because uh, the enemies play by the same rules that you do with charge times and CP and EP. Uh, but it's kind of easy to set up to, to create an an exploitative setup. Like it, you oh, are, absolutely. yeah. yeah. You, they give you, especially once you hit the chapter. I don't know, chapter three or so. You get a lot of power at your disposal, and even doing things like sticking multiple ten percent status effect um, ornaments mm-hmm. on your grid will that will really add up because there's so many uh, <clears throat> area of effect skills. Like like you will you'll um, d- inflict status powerful status effects in enemies without even thinking. Yeah. I mean, Machias yeah. becomes very powerful with the, like the juggler master courts yes. and then, like throwing yeah, status effect stuff on him. I mean, That's regular, like his. No regular enemies were like you know uh, almost they almost all of them got a status effect if you use like petrification shell with him. So yeah, he was <laughs> he was very good. And then Chrono burst with him too. You can when you are able to manipulate God. the turn yeah. order. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, late in this game you have to break it. And what's funny is in Cold Steel too. I think they realized that. And like if bosses get a turn in Cold Steel 2, you die. So you kind of have to do the exact same thing in Cold Steel 2. So it's the same oh. idea. I think it's very breakable, but um, I think they go too far with it later. And I think I, I might be off with the numbers a little bit, but uh, Freeze and Burn are so powerful in this game. Because Freeze is because both of them behave like poison, but Burn yeah. only lasts one or two turns. and But each turn will deal like 5% of an enemy's total health. 
Like I, I was, uh, I, uh, I was fighting Comrade C at the end of Chapter Six, and he has a hundred thousand health exactly. And I did most, and I, my burn spells would deal two thousand damage, and then the burn status effect would deal seven thousand a turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, like, and uh, and freeze is like burn, but it deals less damage, but also like has them stop in place for the duration. It, like, like, the, and those are just my two favorites. But there's, but status effects are myriad and powerful in this game, which is which I think is great because a lot of the time. Maybe this is juvenile Solosi talking. Like, why would I poison something when I can just deal all the damage at once? Right. And, uh, that's, me, that's me playing Pokemon. Definitely. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Like ignoring all of the gray magic in Final Fantasy VI <laughs> twenty oh, years God, ago. Yeah. Same. <laughs> but the uh, more like twenty-five years ago. Jeez. But. Oh. <clears throat> but yeah, like there's they give you a lot of options and uh, and play by I think a set of rules that are normally pretty reasonable with the combat in Trails of Cold Steel. I never I never felt like combat was a burden except maybe the final dungeon which was like I don't know like 15 screens when every other dungeon in the game is less than 8. It's, it's so too long. long. Yeah. yeah. Without turbo yeah. mode I don't even know what I would have done. So Yeah, I yeah. I am the only one here playing without turbo mode. I'm on the <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel so bad. I'm sorry. But uh, it's okay. No, it was it was it was fine, and I got to uh, play it while while was watching to some really good slapping music. Yes, you. yeah, I really love the final dungeon theme for this the game. Fi- the final dungeon, the final dungeon's cool. It's just a little too long. Yeah, I think so. I like yeah. the um, some of the enemies are evil as hell in that dungeon as well. Like, I just don't like some of them, just because they mob you with status effects and things like that. Like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did not like the final, the boss of that dungeon, mostly because nope. <laughs> uh, it, it just took so long. And I, the first time I was playing him, I died when he was around fifteen or twenty percent health because he just yeah. he, he just he wiped me out with some chain attacks. But uh, the there's the bosses are uneven in this game. They almost always feel a, either a little too easy or a holy crap! I need to back out and change my equipment a little bit. To, yeah, to, to, avoid only a, a cer- to avoid a certain status effect or something. Yeah, there's yes. only a few I really struggled with, and it was that one, um, the one in Lowengrin Castle, and the I think it's Chapter Five Schoolhouse boss, the big dragon that's immune. Yes, yeah, the ice dragon that freezes everyone. Yeah, yeah, that one's a bitch if you don't remember to put on anti-freeze before. You, um, yeah, and it's also is- the only schoolhouse section where you're forced to have two party members. Like you have to take Millium and Crow with you, who are not magic. Well, you can. They're, 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 Crow well. Millium is fine. Yeah. Crow, Crow's actually, Crow, Crow can, Crow can be a good spellcaster. Crow can be better. Yeah, yeah you know, Crow is like Elisa or Usus. He has higher atta- he has higher sp- um, ATS than Reen does. Yeah, exactly. But, but- it's still not my first choice yeah that ice dragon almost all of its attacks are area of effect and it always gets two turns and, maybe and, and, and almost, well that's, that's because almost all of them inflict slow and freeze so yeah. you really have to immediately separate everybody and then try to heal people one at a time because otherwise it's way too easy for it for everyone to get slowed or frozen and then the dragon gets three turns in a row in your deck yeah the fight with shield bit... and elliot's resounding yes it's all i'll say yeah resounding beat is really really good as well. In fact, yeah. Adamantine Shield is really useful for both the fight against C in Chapter Six and the final boss of the old schoolhouse. That, that fight yeah. against C messed me up a little bit because I, I got I got bad luck, um, and one of his robots got a critical hit uh, t- ticker. 
But that's another thing. Like uh, similar to Grandia or Final Fantasy X, you can see, or Persona Two, you can see the turn order of the next several turns on one side, and you can manipulate mm-hmm. that a little bit with time spells, slow speeding up yeah. your characters or, yeah. slow, or slowing yeah. enemies. It's not yeah. it's not quite as much of a tightrope walk as a Grandia game, but it's uh, but it, but it's cool, and it was um, it it, it felt uh, it it was not unwelcome. No, I, I found it really relaxing. A really yeah. cool trick for that fight against C is to cast. Um, Forget the name of it, but the spell that lets you reflect one spell. Oh, Preps- yeah, yeah, yeah. Spell, shell, maybe? Yeah, because okay. the archaisms will, if they do anything to you, it's probably going to be casting magic. And so you can you can literally ignore them by just keeping that up because C won't cast magic at you. So you can just have that up. When they cast magic, boom, you damage them. Then you just put it back up. And they, had, they, had a, they had a shockwave spell that does not count as magic, but they were mostly casting earth spells, I remember. Because, again, it happened to me only less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> I, I never felt like any of the bosses were unfair. Just, just a couple that I needed to readjust before I, I finally conquered them. And, and I think we've gone over most of the hard ones. Yeah, no, I, there's some difficulty spikes. And, unfortunately, there's some even worse difficulty spikes in Cold Steel, too. Like, yeah. really ridiculously oh, unfair uh, yeah. There's, there's one boss where you have to use all these party members that I never used in Cold Steel 2, and that one was rough. Oh. <laughs> None of these felt as bad as the second fight against Low, where in, in Trails in the Sky 2, when he keeps cloning himself. At the very end? Ne- yeah, near the very end. Yeah, that was. That, that was. That, I, I actually didn't was, have a super hard time with that fight, but I was using a guy that I, was... I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think any part of that game was hard except for that fight. <laughs> But uh, maybe my maybe my choice of team wasn't great. Um, let's see, we've we've gone off we've gone over almost everything. Uh, this game ends with a uh, with a gray versus blue uh, giant robot fight <laughs> that um, that Reen loses and uh, and leaves us like looking ahead to a, a war torn Erebonia and Trails of Cold Steel two. Uh, but I don't I don't know if we're gonna cover that game on the webs on the podcast anytime soon because I have a I have other games I gotta play. Maybe if you three want to record want to record one, I, I I'll I'll have to pass. It's a long one. <laughs> yeah, it's, long it's, long. it's I'm, my I'm not, I'm not getting to it in 2019, I think, because I I just have other stuff on my plate. Yeah, I mean, I've jumped into this rabbit hole, and unfortunately, Cold Steel Three is out at the end of October, and I need a game to play towards the end of the year, so I'm going for it. I'm in I'm in the rabbit hole. I'm gonna play them all, and I'm gonna play Sky as well next year. So yeah, we're there. I'm still technically not done with the game. I think I have about 20 minutes of cutscenes left, <laughs> and uh, before I before I reach end credits. But I, I I played enough to talk about it. I've I've been I I have not reneged on my commitment to the podcast this time. And I'm I'm uh I'm not going to commit to Cold Steel 2 yet because uh, you'll find out very soon what game we're playing next month. <laughs> but I but I thought this game was really really strong. Like the world building is awesome it, it the world f- uh feels bigger than the actual scope of the game like you mm-hmm. uh, I, again you go to uh field studies on maybe 10 or 11 different cities because because they go to the same city one one chapter and uh you, you only see half of them so like in cold steel two or three or four mm-hmm. i presume 
you you probably visit maybe not all of these, but Saint Ark or Undine or Emir or all of these cities that you went. Yeah, Emir is like the biggest emission because they actually go, don't yeah, they? In a they, cut yeah, scene, they go in a, a cutscene and then they release it. At, they released it as a drama CD in Japan later. Oh, <laughs> what? They, you, you spend a lot of time were, in Emir. They were running out of, running out of time. Yeah. But, it was going to take more time and money than they had to, to put that in there, so, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, I believe it. And uh, But the thing is, the world uh, feels bigger than the actual space of the game. There's so much area, so many places and people mentioned or hinted at that there's an incredible amount of fodder for future games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and, like, playing this made me want to... Uh, play Crossbell and Trails of Cold Steel 2 and made me rethink rethink my Trails in the Sky experience, which I truly loved, because these puzzle pieces all fit together and you can't even see the edge of the puzzle from where you're standing. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable world building, great dialogue. I wish the characters were maybe a little bit less anime and a little less horny. Um... But because I also we ha- we haven't mentioned Elise at all, but one of my least favorite anime stereotypes is the little sister in love with her brother. So I was I was never I was never here yeah. for Elise. It's real freaking weird. That is never yeah. gonna stop being a thing. Yeah. in real, unfortunately, I don't think. Oh, uh, I know, I know. I did. I didn't love the uh, the uh, um. Yeah, I, I got yes. Agata and Tita and Tita have a a brother sister relationship like that that I also don't enjoy even though a lot, I know a lot of fans do like them together um they're cute as surrogate siblings and nothing more yes agreed if, agreed the game itself kind of assumes that they're in love with each other which is stupid yeah i don't Aww. i don't i don't love that but anyway so like this game is a really good rpg that celebrates weird small things about rpgs like like obscure side quests and uh, and and like t- taking the train between cities. Um, I mean, I think the I think Trails in the Sky and Trails in, of Cold Steel are named after their means of conveyance because the first one has airships and the second one has has uh, has railroads. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the and also the word kiseki that means trails or pathways is also a homophone for miracle. So it's like you know mm-hmm. it's trails in the sky or miracles in the sky, which is which is a cute double meaning possibly. I think. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. any but anyway, there's so much to like about these RPGs, and my least favorite things about them are nitpicks like uh, like overlong side quests and and a few anime tropes that I like or dislike more than others. And yeah. but it's I mean if you have the time and the inclination, this game is really good. I had mm-hmm. a lot of fun playing it over the past four or five weeks. Yeah, well, I mostly did. the past week. <laughs> <laughs> the last week was was more than the first four weeks put together. <laughs> yeah, and maybe have a silly question before we start wrapping up. Oh, 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 please, please. I was gonna ask who everybody went on their their bike ride oh, with, Laura, and who Laura, everybody Laura, went on their dance with. Laura, Laura, Uses, um, Uses, Uses. Uses. Yep. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Mine. Uh, I, I went. Right. I danced with Laura because uh, because she is the. Uh, I, I, I find her the most appealing partner for Reen, and I am I am going full Emma Woodhouse on this game, hooking people up. And <laughs> and uh, but for the bike, I figured it would be a boost to experience, and I, I mean to to link experience. And I already had yeah. a max link experience with Laura, so I uh, I went on the bike ride with Elisa. Oh, because she was she was like at four and three quarters, and I wanted to get her to level five. I mean, I got pick, I got Yusis on the back of the bike with Rian, yes. so I'm really happy. Oh, I was yeah. like, you went there. Oh, yeah. You the, went there. The the awkward waist hold happens with uh, happens with the men too. Yes, yes, oh, it does. Great. I oh, was really great. disappointed though that if you ask mm. one of the boys to dance, 
They don't dance. They just yeah, go just, and yeah, you just, you, just, you just hang out. This is, it's way Ugh. like <laughs> that's this is this is the problem with these games is that Reen arguably has stronger relationships with men with the male characters than with the female characters, and yet they don't. They they deliberately kind of tease that out in certain scenes too, and then they just say, "No, we're just best bros." Like I, I think was... it was the bit where at the end, after you've um, done the final mech battle, uh, you get a specific scene with whatever character you danced with, yes. I believe. Yeah, yeah. And they look at like, you and say, you... "Like we'll see you soon." Yeah, the yeah. useless one is a real gut punch. Oh, oh my man. god, I was yes. like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and, and, to like... Un- and to unlock these scenes, it's a, it's a little bit again more RPG esoteria. You have to, uh, you have to be at level five or almost level five with your link with them. And then you also have to either do a a after school scenes with them in chapter six or take them on the bike ride or journey with them for two tickets in the, in the, uh, in the school festival at the end. And one more thing about the school festival, didn't it seem to you that Reen was more concerned about the school festival going on than about the, the well being of the entire town? He's like, well, he's like, they he's all like yeah, was everyone else. We gotta, were, no, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's like, wait a second. There's, a there, there's monsters coming out of a glowing building. What about the festival? It's like, come yeah. on, guys. Yeah, that, that, that is kind of like the first time I played the game, I was like, really? Uh, yeah, okay. That's how I felt. And yeah. then the, Although the, I would you know, like to like, like, go on. frame that a little bit differently. Like, less like, we work so hard on the festival, and more like, it's our responsibility to go in there. We've been investigating all this year. Let us finish our. Her job, you know, that would have maybe they, felt they, they do sort of land in option number two eventually, but they definitely start with option one. Yeah, <laughs> what about the festival? My but concert, they, but the the concert was was cool though. They're, um, it was very cool. It was, it was, was very amazing. Um, is, is it more fleshed out in the PS4 version? Because I mean, I, I, I like sort of canned animations with singing. I mean, there's with violin more. tracks. The only thing, yeah, the only thing extra is 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 voice dialogue. There's no like additional scenes yeah. or anything. So and it's that, the and it was cute that they made the closing number something like a folk song that everyone would be mm-hmm. able to sing along to. Because, I mean, I don't know if you... <laughs> They're you old trail songs, actually. That's, yeah. that's what it is. That makes sense. But they, they gloss over it a little bit. But Crow invented rock and roll a year before this story. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, teamed, and then teams up with Elliot to invent idol pop in this, in this industrial revolution world. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very cute. But yeah, I... Uh, I um, my my dance partner options at the end I had I, I either four or five I, I took a picture so I could I should be able to check, but the uh, they were the five characters I used the most because I I spread out what characters I was leveling up links with in the in the town because I wanted to see all the different characters but it was mm-hmm. the five I used all the time were my five links that got to level five yeah. so uh, so uh, Laura Fee Elisa Usis and Emma. Yeah, I had all the boys and Laura. <laughs> I, had, I, had all, I, had all, I had all the girls and uses. <laughs> I had plus, so I had everybody. Yeah. Also, like, as a bonus thing for that dance scene, how happy is Sarah that she gets to dance with Victor Arsade? Like, oh, oh yeah. my yeah. god. Well, what did you do? Sarah deserved that moment. And, uh, and also we had the, the cute, lonely widowers moment with Machias's dad and uh, Elisa's mom. Yeah, that was also sweet. Was, was... That is a cutie. I love him. <laughs> there, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a very cute dance scene that was uh, a lot that even even Angelica, like dancing with George, was managed to withhold, yeah. withhold for her thirst for teenage girls for five minutes. Yeah, I know. Also, right, we haven't mentioned Elliot's dad, who is the best. I love him so much. Screaming at Elliot and giving him a big bear hug in the middle of a a military demonstration. 
I also I remember I remember being so confused because Elliot kind of mischaracterizes his dad earlier. He, he comes off as being yeah. a hardass who doesn't really care about his son, and then the first thing he does does when he sees him in There's chapter five. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> Elliot, what the hell, man? Your it's dad so is adorable. adorable. But then his dad also is standing on the outside of a tank as yeah. tanks are being shot at. It's so good. I'm like Olaf Craig is great, and, he, and he's a very sort of broad, grizzled man doing this. So the so the image of that with uh with how he treats his two kids is is very very sweet. I like that a lot. Yeah, but, uh, this game has good parents. There's, yeah, there's a lot of good parents that have that have been through some hard times. A lot, a lot of you know, there's a couple a couple dead spouses, a couple uh, difficult upbringings. Yeah, I think Arena's got some stuff that needs to be sorted out because I still didn't really. Yeah, yeah, I've still got issues with her. I She's think my at least least... of the parents. Do, do, any of the, do any of them have two parents other than Gaius? Uh, well, Reen. Reen does. Oh, yeah. oh, oh Reen's mom is alive. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick up that detail. Elisa's arc is actually really good. I think we, we, I think me and you in particular, Mike, we picked up on how she's quite, um, yeah, tropey. But I think she gets a really good resolution by the end of Cold Steel One. I really liked her role yeah. in Chapter Six. She, she, I, yeah, she challenges her mom and stands up to her mom without yeah. without being a total brat. By like in a way that in a way that has her mom thinking, "Oh, Lisa's grown up. All right, here, good go." Yeah, I mean. I was really impressed with how she like yeah. three sixteen in that chapter. So yeah, yeah. she like she still she has she does not drop her Sundari Helga G Pataki tendencies uh, by the even by the end, um, <laughs> and and does a lot of like murder girl face with her cheeks puffed out like again through the final chapter. But she but she comes into her own a bit. She's better in the second half than in the first half. Yeah, she's really good. And same thing with Emma, who's almost a non character in the first half, but now she's maybe part of a secret society of witches. Which is which is pretty dope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's that's definitely sequel talk. Uh, for now, we're gonna live in the present. We uh, we've recently finished Trails of Cold Steel one, or I will have uh, ninety minutes from now. And um, I think that's the end of the episode. Uh, next week, we're doing a second villains episode, all about Luca Blight and the villains of Suikoden two. Yes. And we're I, we'll ask a lot of questions, but one of them will definitely be: Is Luca Blight the true villain of the game? <laughs> How much higher know. can my voice go? <laughs> uh, Do you have but, some healing him nearby? Uh, no, I just I just have range. That's all. <laughs> um, and uh, we ha- um, we're working on the rest of August and September. Uh, we ha- don't have it all exactly nailed down yet, but the September game is going to be Wild Arms Three. That won a listener poll from earlier this year, so we're going to do two episodes on Wild Arms Three in September. And I'm going to start that game probably tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listeners, if you want to reach us, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. We also have message boards, a Facebook page, an Instagram account, Twitter, Discord, Twitch, streaming every day, and all of it is on a fancy schmancy snazzy new rpgfan.com. That's uh, a little bit more 2019 and less 2002. <laughs> um, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot more sensible navigation, more secure links. It, it looks great. Mike Salvato has been working on it for months possibly over a year. And we're all really, really happy and relieved that it's been rolled out. So you can find links to all of those uh, RPG Fan subpages I mentioned through the snazzy new front page. So please visit RPGFan.com, which also hosts two other fine podcasts, Random Encounter and Rhythm Encounter, one of which is more active than the other. I'll let you solve that puzzle, listeners. And you can review all three of those podcasts, including Retro Encounter, on iTunes or Google Play or however you are listening to us. So... 
before I lose my voice for real, uh, let's tell the listeners how they can reach us, starting with you, Zach. Uh, you can reach me by emailing me at ZachW at RPGFan.com or on Discord at ZachW. Alana, your turn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alana Hakes, or you can find me on RPG Fan Stuff as Diving Falcons. And Caitlin. You can find me pretty much everywhere at, uh, at Leon Cazerol, underscore in between. And listeners, I know you are sick of hearing my voice, but if you want to read my words, you can find me on Twitter at The Real Monsoon or at Evoker for Dogs, where I get a little weirder than on The Real Monsoon. And uh, on Mons- as Monsoon Mike on Discord or Monsoon on RPG Fans Forums. That's about it. I, I had a lot of fun with this game. I-, I want to play more trails, but the problem is there's just there- there's other things getting in the way of the trails. The trails are obscured right now for me. So if, if we do a-, a Trails of Cold Steel 2 episode, uh, which which is a possibility, I probably won't be on it if it happens in the next few months. So I'm I'm sorry. You you do you think you could do that as a trio one day down the line? Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'll we'll, we'll we'll talk about this. We'll we'll table this discussion for now. So uh, listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck. <laughs>